Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast, episode 26. It's me, Chris. And me, Matt. You all right, Matthew? I'm fine. <laughs> Sorry, we were distracted because <laughs> we're just staring at the sound wave while we're doing this because we are doing dual mic recording. Yeah, we've got big guns, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so shout out to... What is this we're using? Voice meter. Looks cool so far, so we'll let you know how it goes while you'll hear how it goes, I suppose. Well, hopefully the, the quality will be... Uh, up with our peers on the old uh, podcasting networks. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this episode twenty six has been um, was was a good, well, fun one. I think a good film to choose. It's one that's been we've been looking at for a while now, isn't we? we like people, a few times people have gone to me. Oh, you know what you should do. Yeah. It's either been this or Howard the Duck. So. And this was on television, even though I missed it on TV. Yeah, I've been watching this in instalments. Should we give the game away now? What's the game? Oh, what, what film it is? <laughs> yeah, all right. Masters of the Universe. Here's the trailer. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get out and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? No. Somebody help me! Julie! From a distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. <laughs> That's definitely your thing now, though. Here's the trailer. Yeah, I've got to have some sort of a catchphrase. It's a catchphrase. Yeah. It is a catchphrase. Yes, that was He-Man. Well, we keep calling it He-Man Masters Universe, but it's not actually, because I kept searching for the words He-Man, and it doesn't turn up there. It's, it is actually just entirely titled... Masters of the Universe. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it was why, like a, why get rid of He-Man? Exactly. Well, the the plot synopsis is is this: the heroic warrior He-Man battles against the evil Lord Skeletor and his armies of darkness for control of Castle Grayskull. <laughs> that's the short version. There's a long version, but that's uh, pretty much it, isn't it? Well, it's a toy advert, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, it's funny. So um, we probably... I was reading and people were saying this film shouldn't be compared to the comic books because... Uh, not the comic books, the cartoon series because um, it's not based on the cartoon series. But the fact is it came out six years after. Hmm. Six years after the, the incredibly successful cartoon series on the back of the cartoon series itself. So there is no way that you can ignore the fact that there was a very popular cartoon series first of all the cartoon was the first one that was um after a toy 
Oh, really? So the toy came first in this instance. Okay. So G.I. Joe, I think, was the other one, the other mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoon. And then He-Man was a toy first. And then they started writing some, like, uh, backgrounds, mini comic book stories on it. Mm. And then decided to go into the world of the cartoon, the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, which is why, and I read this, there was, um, at the end of the cartoon, there's always like a little moral tale. Yeah. So, yeah. children, don't punch each other in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. Because punching's bad. <laughs> in today's story, Elena tried taking a magic potion which she thought would help her. Well, she found out there aren't any magic potions. And you know what? There aren't any magic drugs either. Anytime you take one from anybody but your parents or your doctor, you're taking a very big chance. You're gambling with your health, maybe even your life. Drugs don't make your problems go away. They just create more. And they did that just to try and assuage the censors to let them have the cartoon out. But even so, they weren't allowed to show He-Man toy adverts during the cartoon because they thought that was just too fucking much. But the the cartoon, I remember really, it was... Well, we're in our 40s. I mean, let's let's just say that now. Not to look at. No, but this is is, uh, right up our street in terms Mm. of... uh, 80s fair this and I loved the cartoon as a child yeah I mean it hasn't aged particularly well has it I mean but well, it was maybe a it... really cheaply made cartoon it had loads of like the same like oh this is Adam running around a corner this is <laughs> it had that kind of Scooby Doo nature where they used the same backdrop or something with yeah. skin past like yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I mean it was it was good fun to watch this film again I think I watched this at least 25 years ago and it's 30 years old more or less isn't it if not more Two years ago, I think it was... Uh, 89? 87. Yeah, so... So, yeah, so the cartoon came out in 82. The film came out in 87. It's a long time ago, Chris. I remember watching the film and really enjoying it. I mean, second time round, I've never watched it since. I was eight, though, to be fair. Yeah, I think I would have been... A few years... It would have been on TV and I would have catched it on TV. On TV. (laughs) Um, I think it's pretty good. People don't really appreciate it, but back in the day... Things used to run and run and run. Hmm. And then when they stuck running, they'd just repeat them again. <laughs> because you only saw things once. They'd show it once. It wasn't like they didn't have to occupy 24 hours of television. You had like an hour of TV. And these cartoons were always Saturday morning ones. So mm-hmm. it would literally be once a week. So you could have 24 um, episodes. And that would last the best part of the fucking year. Yeah, yes, yes. Good point. Um, yeah, the cartoon was great. It was very cheesy, uh, quite camp as well. If you look looking back at it now, so yeah, it's impossible to. I, I think they've tried to say now the, the the you know the, the the toys one thing, the comic book is another thing, the cartoon is another thing, and then the film is uh, it is its own in, in entity. But you can't ignore the fact that it was on the back of an incredibly popular cartoon. And it's the only reason people want to see this is because it was, oh, the another to- cartoon. The toy line was, uh, I watched a really good, have you seen the Netflix series, the, toy that, the Toys That Made Us? No. Well, that is a brilliant series on Netflix and they do a whole episode about the the, the creation of He-Man and, you know, the, how it started He-Man. from like a, like barbarians and then evolved into this kind of mashup from yeah, different types of things. Money. Yeah, so like a Conan, the barbarian type thing, and quite a lot of it was quite violent to start with, and obviously they toned down a lot of it and made it quite obviously kid friendly. And the toy line, as we know, was incredibly successful. They rarely punched people, apparently. I was reading, mostly throw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some really good uh, uh, factoids a bit later on in the show. 
Yes, I yes, I won't spoil but, I mean, Yeah, so well, should we, are we going to we delve go, into the nuts of the film then? Let's go nut deep. The opening gambit of this film then is... Um, it's, it's got a little, a little tiny bit of exposition, not a lot really, about Castle Greyskull and how it's the centre of power um, and it stands at the border between good and evil. Mm. I just put my nose. It looks evil as shit. <laughs> I mean, like, you can understand why Skeletor wants to live there. It's It's got his face on the side of it for a start and it, it, it looks like an evil layer. Yeah, it doesn't look like a place for goodness, and I know it's on the border, but no, well, this is a—you got this desert wasteland, and already kind of Eternia, yes, this is right. Well, we had to trade the opening start, which was very Superman esque with yeah, yeah, like that. I enjoyed that. Well, this, yeah, the first thing I remember seeing, thinking about when I was watching it uh, is the credits are at the beginning of the film and <laughs> yeah, they go that's on back a in the long day. time and you take it for granted now that you, you sit through the trailers at the end uh, sorry sit through the, the credits at the end but yeah. you get straight in there uh, but this didn't you had to sit and wait and see who was in the film it, it, who produced it who was the casting director <laughs> yeah. it does jar these days I suppose because as I say you don't you don't get it you get like maybe a title like a little bit of introduction yeah. a few of the top you know actors in it but you don't get like the whole you know second runner best boy no key grip no, this is, <laughs> flashing um, up and it is like yes you say very Star Wars-esque and one of the first things I, I remember thinking I was ticking loads of boxes when, this, when the film was on because it had all like hallmarks of trying to copy different franchises that had obviously been yeah. successful so you had yeah, you had the desert, deserty planet of Just you, check, check. Sort of like you've got Tatooine, and you've got the Skeletor's grand entrance into the palace, was flanked by the guards. Yeah, and the guards are, are modelled on samurai sort of. But look, uh, just like stormtroopers, stormtroopers, but black, black. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's got a cloak, and he's very sinister. He's almost, and he's also got his own quite characteristic theme as well. Yeah, which was a march, and it's yeah, it's quite. Quite so well on the nose, yes. and then you get introduced to the other characters. And obviously, He Man sticks out like a sore thumb because he's, I mean, he's 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 a brave lad, but it's he's dressed lad. very badly <laughs> compared to everybody else because he's the only one in basically a bikini, right? A, a pair of pants, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, if this was a woman now, yeah, you'd be like, that's fucking inappropriate, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is in a very small pair of pants and uh, a bustier. Yeah. Something that really highlights and accentuates his bosom, which is always well oiled. There isn't a well, single Well, I mentioned the uh, last podcast we were going to look at his greasy tits <laughs> for did. an hour and a half. And the very first thing I saw was like, oh, there's the greasy tits that uh, Christopher mentioned. But we introduced um, to him via a, a wonderful fight scene where um, <laughs> the uh, the not stormtrooper stormtroopers are carrying um, what turns out to be an important character. He just sort of jumps out from left of screen. He was behind fucking nothing. <laughs> Literally, they were walking down the path. Mm. And he'd have been stood there in his pants and his bright red cape, <laughs> just waiting like that. And then, but then, and he even deflects some of the blasts with his sword in yes, a, a nod yes. to similar fashion to a certain other franchise. Um, but the, white, the fight scenes were proper wank. Well, the, I noticed fight scenes that were all basically close ups of. Sometimes it's a the scuffle, space. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a scuffle, and then you see a little bit of you know something shot from a distance, yeah, and they're really bad fight scenes. But it's surprising because this, this is obviously Dolph Lundgren's one of Dolph Lundgren's first films, mm-hmm. I think I'm right in saying, and like he's like a proper martial artist and judo and everything like that. So, I mean, he, he 
He it's knows how to throw a throw a fist in a foot. Um, so it's um, it was it was weird to see um, it so sort of lumbering and poorly choreographed in terms of the fight scenes and stunt work. Yeah, uh, Dolph Lundgren. Is... Why a cape? He's... Why a cape? Because the cartoon didn't have a cape. The toys didn't have a cape. Why has he got a cape, Chris? To make him look more what? Flash Gordon-y. Or, I don't know, Flash Gordon didn't have a cape, but there is other elements of do Flash think, Gordon. Do you think they maybe lined him up with his first thing? Like you say, next to Man at Arms and Neela? Yeah. Neela. Yeah. Next to, and they were like, yeah, yeah, dress for combat, dress for combat, dress for a um, 100 metre breaststroke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, we need to cover this boy up somehow. I was like, well, you know, we can't fuck with the costume too much. Let's give him a cape. It makes no sense because they've they've done lots to modernise. Let's just quickly <laughs> delve into the cast a bit. So yes. we mentioned Dolph Lundgren there as He Man. Yep. Um, we get Frank uh, Langella as Skeletor. He's good. Yeah, actually, Skeletor was was well, well acted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a skeletal, yeah, skeletal faced man. Um, he. I've heard or read on IMDb because obviously that all of that is true. But he really enjoyed doing the role because he had grandkids as well at the, at the time. Yeah, we well into He Man and he went through, isn't it? Meg Foster is Evil Lynn, and uh, we've got <laughs> doomed a guy. with that name, wasn't he? To be yeah. a, <laughs> um, Billy Barty plays uh, Gwildor, who we're going to get onto in a second. Uh, uh, small actor, and we got uh, Courtney Cox, who we'll recognise from Friends. <laughs> uh, Robert Duncan McNeil is Kevin plays Kevin Corrigan. The whole way through this film, I was like, I know this guy, I recognise yeah, yeah. him. Uh, I, and you could tell that his face was a young version of somebody's you recognise, and then yeah. it was like, oh, I had looked up, and obviously. Star Trek, Star Trek Voyager. Voyager, one of the best, one of the better Star Trek series, is, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Uh, John Cipher uh, plays Duncan or um, Man at Arms, the old geezer, um, who plays Teela's dad, Chelsea Field. Never, not know what she's in, but you get James. Chelsea Field in one of my favourite films, uh, The Last Boy Scout. She plays ah, okay. Bruce Willis's wife. I recognised her, but couldn't think what I'd seen her in. Another good actor in this is James Tolkien, who plays Detective Lubick, who's was in Halloween. No, he was in Back uh, to the Future. Back to the Future. What am I talking about? Um, he's good in this. Um, another interesting fact, and last last kind of character I'm going to talk about is Christina Pickles, who plays the sorceress of Castle Grayskull, and she actually plays. Courtney Cox's mum in Friends. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> um, Courtney Cox being um, Monica, Monica Geller. Am I um, right in thinking this is uh, Courtney Cox's first? Um, yeah, film? yeah, her uh, first. And her film. finest. <laughs> yeah, I think before this film, she'd probably been in uh, Bruce Springsteen's uh, video. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's yeah. really the first thing she's been in. But yeah, not a bad cast. There's other actors. A, there are other characters. actors um, but yeah no, no one worth maybe talking about there's a lot of beasts uh, and uh, creature kind of guys all heavily made up um, and who are uh, oh, I don't know just, just really can't but the, the ones of, of, of note and merit mentioned. I've mentioned <laughs> Dolph Lundgren basically um, well he can't act at this stage I don't no. think and he's he's, he's over not overdubbed but he a lot of his I've noticed there's loads of overdubs in terms of the all the speech in this film yeah and very bad badly overdubbed at that but he 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 doesn't say a great deal in this film a lot of the dialogue and speaking and plot development is done by uh, Man at Arms and his daughter Teela so Chelsea yeah, a lot of his standing conversation around yeah, him yeah, where he just, then just uh, goes yes <laughs> yeah oh calm down but he's yeah he's in the background looking sweaty yeah I think I read on the, the factoids and you might come on the factoids that 
that he in his contract he had it written in that he was able they had to let him try to redub three times yeah yeah and then they're allowed to replace him with another actor to dub over all his that's lines. right yeah so yeah there is a factoid of that nature where yeah yeah he was going to be originally overcut overdubbed anyway yeah. but yeah it was in his contract not to do that but the budget was tight yeah, well, and, and Merv, no, worth mentioning as well before we go any further about the director. Uh, the director was Gary Goddard. Um, this was his first and last movie. Oh, really? Um, this is why a lot of the effects and sort of budget that this film initially had, a lot of it was they were able to do a lot of the stunts and a lot of the special effects because his his pay was going to be so low because this was his first. Yeah, the yeah. studio was taking a bit of a punt on him. He's doing like Broadway or something now, but. Okay, he may have done a few little bits and pieces or short videos on films, but... This... He created Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. I kind of remember that. Oh, right, okay. That was a weird TV series, but he didn't direct it. He obviously just wrote for it, I guess. Um, and there's loads of um, little documentaries on YouTube about this movie because it's quite a, a cult classic now, I guess. And we, we always said we yeah, would avoid it, these it, sort it, of things. But this, this film, production-wise, was was really troublesome and they, they I mean at, some, at one point towards the end uh, of the film they had still a few scenes to to film and uh, the, the studio cut cut it basically yeah, they simply refused to do any more and reasons. then he, he paid there's no second camera crew was there or anything he paid out of his own pocket to finish the film initially <laughs> uh, desperate he was to get it out there I mean it's such a um, what's the word I'm looking for ambitious project based on how much they wanted to include is it got like you know cgi well cgi elements right okay visual special effects you've yes. got makeup special effects you've got multiple locations or however we'll talk about it later on but the, the, there are probably about two locations in this movie. <laughs> um and the extras are non-existent no there isn't really so any you've got the main core cast and that is it and a cow <laughs> So anyway, we digressed a bit there, but I think it's important to yeah, flesh yeah. out the backstory. A bit. So after um, after He Man jumps out from behind a rock, <laughs> um, and Messi. So like, I was surprised because I, I, I like I've watched this a long time ago. Um, I was surprised that the film opened with the fall of Grayskull, so straight away, bang, we you know, nailed it. Skeletor's in there. He's got captured the sorceress. Then you get He-Man's wank fight scene, and he rescues a small dwarven character, which is um, Billy Billy Barty. I thought that was his name, but I thought that didn't sound right. Gwildor. He got yeah. He rescues Gwildor, played not by Yoda. Billy Barty. Not Yoda. Not Yoda. <laughs> not Yoda. All all the thing from Legend. Oh yeah, little chap. The, yeah, there, there's a couple there. The, this, this, Although he may actually be in Legend. <laughs> uh, this Gwildor character was a. Written specifically to take place of the little um, ghosty floating hat cape man, yeah, who did magic because obviously that was just two of us too much of a stretch to work in the 1980s. Yeah, I I guess in terms of things missing as well, um, Battle Cat is is, is obviously cited. Um, it, it was not ever going to be there, it was not possible to have Battle Cat in 1986. No, but he could have had um, they could have done something, just a cat. Yeah, I, I mean, Sigford and Royal points to the fact if you have a proper tiger, it's going <laughs> to fucking rip your face off. But you can't have He-Man without Battle Cat. It's, it's well, you, Cringer. 
cringy and and he was Adam he was not Adam at all in this and so they didn't do any metamorphosing at all no he was He-Man all the way wasn't he man all the way no yeah. I have the power no transformation there was one I have the power but he already had the power was this it's at weird. the end of the film yeah. where his lips don't move yeah he <laughs> just stood there overdubbed just stood there yeah going I have the power oh it's the same thing I had all along but I think ultimately this is gearing up for like a, pre- a sequel right well that that was in the plan, wasn't it? That was the plan. Um, did you? Should we jump ahead? I just want to jump right ahead. Jump straight to the end. <laughs> yeah, because this must be one of the first films to have an after credits. An after credits sting. With um, the young—that's not the young, <laughs> young Skeletor coming out of the water. Yeah, why was he in water? Well, he got thrown off the side of the thing at the end. And Almost he, like. The Emperor, when he gets thrown down the turbo Oh, yeah, tubes. very similar. It was incredibly and he, and he, similar. And he goes, uh, I'll be back. Yeah. In a non-Terminator way. In a, yeah, in a, not at all like the Terminator. <laughs> anyway, we skip to the end. We skip, time, yeah. Man. Oops, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, this... Um, uh, the, Gwildor serves two purposes. A, to um, not be the magical floating hat um, fully mm-hmm. within the Pooh guy. Um, he has created a key... A MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. He's created a plot device, is what he's done. (laughs) She tricked me. She stole the key. Gwildor, can this device of yours get us to Grayskull? Certainly. To the sorceress? Those were the first coordinates I calculated before she came. (sighs) Oh, but we can't, we can't. If we disturb the gravitonic waves, Skeletor's key will locate us. Uh, which not only enabled the initial takeover of Castle Grayskull, but also enables them to save a fuckload of money by coming to Earth. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this this, um, this uh, MacGuffin key thing um, helps. You can just jump around. It creates little portals, basically. Yeah, by pressing musical notes on it, it's like a, a little round... Uh, well, it's like a little... Um, Synthesizer. It's, it's, it's more like a, an accordion. Accordion. Yes, it's, it's like, like an accordion because the buttons are more accordion-like. It's like a Swiss Army knife as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, with a little fork, yeah, with little fork forks and stuff coming off the top. Yeah. So if you're ever stuck in a survival situation, not only would this thing take you where you want to go, but it also enable you to um, eat your spaghetti because it does a twist, <laughs> it doesn't does, it? Yeah. So you can just be able to jam it in your bowl and away you go. <laughs> and also, we we, we establish here that um, Gwildor is the com the comedy value as well isn't he he's there I don't remember laughing much at this film I but have he's to a say. little funny chap isn't he he squirts water out of his ears and oh yeah he has um, a little yeah he's funny he's funny he's a funny man lovely little guy I liked Gwildor oh poor Gwildor <laughs> he doesn't die he doesn't fine. die no <laughs> Yeah, so then they 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 introduced to the plot device and they use the plot device to go and rescue the sorceress, um, but yeah. it, it goes badly, it goes awry. So they have wow, to. Wow, there's this weird. Sorry to interrupt you. Matthew. That's right. They're they're in Gwildor's little uh, hovel, which is oh. not like Yoda's hovel at all. Not at all. Um, and with He Man, sit He-Man. down, you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must spend over to get into my hovel. Hovel. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you, so you've got Squildor, you've got Manatarms, and you've got Tila. Tila. Yeah, his sexy daughter. And I'm pleased to say the about Tila in, mm. a, in a re-interruption of your interruption. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it goes um, on this podcast. <laughs> I, I was um, admiring Tila's outfit. Um, it's very form-fitting. But then uh, halfway through, I stopped admiring it for its aesthetics and started thinking, like, 
if she ever wanted to go for a piss, yeah, there was a strap where there should not be a strap. Oh, okay. So she's hemmed in. She's, she's she's strapped on in there. Well, she'd have to get fully nude just for a pee. Well, the, her jumpsuit thing yeah. is is perfect combat gear as far as I'm concerned. And so yeah, it covers everything. Man, man at arms, the old fella. Uh, Duncan, yeah, he's well dressed for yeah. combat, and it's another. It's again, you see everybody else. They've all got like um, helmets, helmets, pants. leather gear on. They're yeah. well covered, and yeah, you see and then, a few yeah. pockets for things which come in later on. Yeah, yeah. There's a baddie that basically they're in the hovel and um, with Gwildor and the, the two other. Yeah, you uh, get a heavy metal baddie come turn up, don't you? Yeah. So the guy with hair, Sarud, is that him? Karg. Karg was it? Yeah, Karg is like a weird-looking thing from the Terror Hawks, <laughs> and with a really big bouffant hairdo. Really big. And I was adamant it was a woman, but it's not. It's played by a gentleman. Um, but he—it's a weird-looking thing. Which he's got a hook. He, sorry, he's got a hook for a hand. Yeah. So they, they, they break into the hovel and they escape out the back, don't they? Have a little corridor. Yeah. So luckily, um, Gwildor has a back entrance, which he's not afraid to let people use. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it automatically <laughs> takes them all the way to Castle Grayskull. Well, did he not? Oh, no, because they're not allowed to do the beep beep thing because then they'll monitor, because they're monitoring the frequencies of the <laughs> random shit thing and yeah. they'll know when they've used yeah, it. So yeah. they have to just walk in and there's no one around. That's what I'm saying. It's deserted. They've literally, like, two hours ago taken the castle over and then suddenly they've gone, right, everyone, lunch. Yeah, they've all gone off for catering. Yeah. They? <laughs> and they've left. Um, and they're, they're alone in that sort of castle area for ages and they try and release the princess and uh, not the princess sorry the sorceress because the princess is from Monica's the other mom. Monica's mum they try and get mom. Monica's mum out of her uh, her her beam of torchlight <laughs> well Skeletor is draining her power is that right yeah he's doing something to her she's, oh. um, he's becoming more and more oh. <laughs> and uh, having a great time is oh, uh, hamming it up he's brilliant and then there's a bigger bit of a commotion. Um, All shooting. And then the the key is activated and they jump through the portal. Let's cut through that shite. There's another, there's loads of other little fighting bits. Yeah. And then yeah, they jump to earth. They jump to earth and the key is damaged in the... Well, it's lost. He's like, oh, yes, it's where's shot. the key? Yeah, so they end up in on earth and uh, in the woods, Thankfully, not in a heavily populated well, area. Well, before they before they jump to Earth, this is why I've tried to write this down to so keep it in order. Um, we're then introduced to Julie uh, Courtney Cox in her final days as a, uh, yeah. a as a short order waitress, and her tragic backstory, which is jarring in this film. It's just suddenly out of nowhere. It's like, why did you have to leave? Because my parents died in a plane crash, and it's like, and again, it falls in that thing. It's like, how the fuck rich are people? Because it was her own pr- private plane. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Were, she was like, I, I would have, I was meant to go to the beach, but I wanted to hang out with you. And now they, yeah. they went in a plane and then they crashed and they died. Well, boyfriends, her boyfriend's a selfish bastard. He's basically, uh, yeah. he's up himself in terms of, he's like, uh, he's in a band. They're going to play, he's going to play in this band at the, the dance. At yeah, the, the high school, school dance. dance. I, I find it hard to place the ages of these people with the characters. Yeah, they, I mean, they, yeah. Uh, yeah, Courtney Cox leaving. is off to leave for something something else. Yeah, her parents have died tragically in a in a plane crash. Yep. And uh so there you've got that horrible Tragic backstory. Tragic backstory and uh Kevin, who's her her boyfriend, is like this real sort of museo 
selfish. It's quite nice though. And towards the end, and to start off with, he's a little bit self-centered. I yeah. think and all the stuff going on. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. We're introduced to them, but because obviously then we need to tie the two people up together. So yeah, yeah. They crash. They crash where they don't crash land. They are not. They're um, sort of portal jumping, aren't they? So they appear in this piece of forest and automatically get the munchies, don't they? Straight away. And well, they go a little, a little perimeter, little search, safe journey to um, <laughs> try and find the key. And they've all synchronized themselves now. Yeah, I don't know. What did that mean? It's like, right, everyone, uh, synchronize your trackers. I'm like, all oh, right, so that'll just be like, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, they all but count. They all three, count. two, one, now. <laughs> <laughs> didn't make and any sense. And they do like a little safe journey thing. Safe journey. Which is their like... Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Catchphrase for Eternians. Yeah, it's not they? like may the force be with you or anything like that. No, it's it not is, that at all. It's um, and <laughs> totally they, its own thing. They go off on a little look around and then they find the diner, which sells ribs, burgers, chili dogs oh, and shakes. Looks sort good. A, a typical kind of drive-through American diner where Courtney Cox is working. Yeah. Uh, Gwildor spies a bargain bucket in the back of a... <laughs> Uh, and some a kissing soft couple's car and um, <laughs> he uses his little grappling hook to grab the, the KFC bucket and then he starts to drink the barbecue sauce or the gravy not that any of us have done that before <laughs> what I thought was weird about that scene and um, this is when I I, 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 I annoy myself <laughs> at films because I'm, I, I watch this and when he fires his little grappling hook and you see the little grappling hook grab the bucket <laughs> and then pull it out I'm like that was completely the wrong trajectory from where he was <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like it's an impossible shot and even once you've got it right this thing is like got three prongs on it and it's picking up a soft bucket full of fucking chicken ribs and ripped chicken and, and ribs. chicken oh, and what it, a great combination it's going to go everywhere all he's going to do is knock it over the back of the person's car piss everyone off and yeah, then and scuttle gonna, back into the bush again and people are going to see it flying through the air as well I mean what a great but it doesn't com- he gets it perfect but what a great combo bucket that is though. oh it looked good but um, you know you know what whenever I before I watch this film again and obviously I'm going to remember a lot more about it now seeing it a second time but one of the only things I remember about this film is that's the scene of them eating <laughs> 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 the bucket and Gwildor drinking the, the gravy down and um, basically they start munching don't they and uh, Duncan Heatman at arms is basically saying that all soldiers need to look for food that's one of the main yeah, things yeah. and she's like oh you're always thinking of your stomach and they're chowing down and she's like how do you get the meat on these little white sticks <laughs> it's like it's, it's, a, it's a rib cage or something where it was ribs and yeah. she's like ooh no, I'm not. I mean, that's just because you're vegan. Yeah, yeah, vegans. But he doesn't. That's, that's, that's groundbreaking for 1986. Doesn't, doesn't Duncan say, Man, i never, never think about food when you're uh, when you're hungry or something yeah. or something. Basically, don't think about where it's don't come from. Just, just eat get it. it down, yeah. And it, which is a good point if you're on the you know on the field. Yeah, but the thing is, if you've come from a completely vegan world and you eat this shit, you're gonna have the shit. <laughs> You that that chicken and rib is gonna go. Th- I know, like people that have stopped eating meat for like a month and yeah. then go back and eat like a big old burger, and then they're like horribly ill the next yeah, morning. Yeah, it's bad for you. It's bad that that change. You should just stick to what you. But know he about. toughs down like a chicken wing in that, and then like during the fight scenes, he could battle them <laughs> off with his squirting diarrhea, probably. But um, it's just weird that that scene, the whole scene, is the it only thing really I remember. stick out like a sore thumb. Twenty five years yeah. of not seeing this film, and I can I tell you, I know the scene. Vegans, question, not question, <laughs> <Vegans>. <laughs> and the, and the uh, the ribbon 
ribbon chicken combo bucket, which sounds like absolute heaven. Um, so yeah, it's just after the buckets. We uh, <laughs> the buckets. Courtney Cox. Uh, finds, Hang on a minute. What? The cow. That was before the buckets. Oh fuck! Sorry. Yeah. Should we? That's when they the first landed. <laughs> yeah. There's a life form coming through there. They, they, yeah, it's large. A large life form, uh, not on their aliens tracker devices at all. But, Ooh, and um, <laughs> a cow comes through, doesn't it? And she, he tries, Grildor tries, tries to talk to, talk to, to the cow. Yeah. Hang on, let me try and communicate with it. <laughs> more, more, more. Grildor, come on, come on, Grildor, we gotta go and find the key. What the? More, more. That's actually quite good, Grildor. Yeah, it's a good girl. Like that. <laughs> anyway, after meeting a cow and then then eating one in a weird symbiotic yeah, piece yeah, of bookended yeah. filmmaking, just <laughs> make us really think about where our food comes from. Also, why is there a cow wandering through the fucking well, woods? Well, maybe they've stumbled across. There is no the... such thing as wild cows. Well, maybe they stumbled across the the holding pen for the restaurants. What, you know? in a fucking wood? <laughs> In a swampy wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. They just stuck it there. And it, it was well groomed, that cow. I ain't in that. Oh, a lovely cow. That's no fucking wild cow. Did it have a bell? I didn't hear it. I think it had a cow bell. Ooh, like a Swiss cow. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Courtney Cox then finds the cosmic key. Yes, thing. that's right. They find the key. And they, they find it in an obvious crater, smoking away. And their first reaction is, oh, it's a Japanese synthesizer. <laughs> yeah, he's made up in the old, uh, oh. the, husband, the boyfriend, Kevin, because he's that? a, he we know, it. we've established he's a bit of a muso. Oh, he plays he some mean keyboard and um, he starts trying to jazz in, make some real cool tune out of it. And uh, that activates the sensors, doesn't oh, it? Back yeah, on. as soon as they start using it, because they were monitoring, the, we know this Monitor. from earlier, they're monitoring the frequencies. Honk, honking thing. <laughs> monitoring <laughs> the frequencies. So, um, but the things that I've noticed is that when when they were touching the buttons, mm. it was making quite obvious music noises. Now, I'm no, you're music. Yeah, I'm a music man. I'm, I'm not I music. come from far away. <laughs> but, but like it was like dong bing 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 right when they're touching it down down but when down, down, down. It's <laughs> when like Gwildor was banging in the fucking keys it was just didn't sound the same yeah and then he pressed like one main button in the middle and it the goes, big red one like a bassy sound and that's what triggers the portal yeah but yeah no, yeah yeah so he was definitely so then, yeah, so like you say, and uh, I'm like, oh, it looks like it's fallen from space. Oh, let's ignore that because I mean, the ability of people in this town, well, the, the three people that we meet from this town, to completely and utterly ignore the fantastical is amazing because they, they find this Japanese synthesizer in a meteor crater <laughs> smoking away. Um, uh, they, they, they start doing it, then they go off to the um, thing under the sea, dance under the sea. Yes, not <laughs> from at all Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, um, so the, he goes and starts miking up the machine, doesn't he? He's like, check this out. Yeah. And in that time. Yeah, we've seen the mercenaries are being yeah, picked. So it, not like that bit in Empire Strikes Back. Not at all <laughs> when they're lined up, the, the bounty hunters. Evil Lynn has uh, <laughs> gathered um, Eternia's finest mercenaries. Yeah. Mer- yeah. And yeah. you've got, so you've got the hairy rock 
Horry Rock Man. Karg. Uh, Karg. Who's an ugly mm-hmm. motherfucker. You've got... He's um, small though, isn't he? He's like, he's 90% yeah. hair, that guy. Yeah. You've got um, Blade, who's like a... I didn't remember Blade from the comic, the, I keep saying comic, but cartoon series. Well, these, are, these were made, a lot of this, these were new... Beastman ca- was from the thing. Yeah, Beastman, he was a bit of a, a bit of a dullard. And Sarod, the, I believe, was also the snake. Sarod. Sarod. Who's the snake man with the... Yeah. With the with I liked a, his throat. I was going to say... Shouldn't he have been a frogman? But that because I mean, what? as far as I know, snakes don't do, don't do that, do they? Poison tree frogman would be awesome. Just touch ya. But he was like a um, flick his shit at ya. Beastman is the only character from the like the baddies. Uh, Evil Lynn, she was in no, there. Evil Lynn, yeah. He man. <laughs> that was skeletal. Yeah, so we're introduced to the uh, the lineup of the mercenaries, and Which, they're, according they're, to IMDb, as a goof, they change position about three or four times when they're being introduced. <laughs> yeah, the, the order of them. Too busy crying. Then um, they, they send them to with a couple of other people, a couple of uh, token um, robots, guards. robot guards, robot guards, to uh, to take the flak for them when they're going down. So yeah, they, they get sent to find them, and they they like. They, do, they zoom in via Google Maps, don't they? To the exact location. Yeah, and Skirtle's like, because it could go a bit closer, but Skirtle's like, that's close enough. So then they yeah. pop out in the sort of janitor's cupboard. That's right. <laughs> so it's weird that the preparations for this gig, this uh, dance, involves co- only Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox and her <laughs> boyfriend, and she's not even that fussed. She should be getting on a plane and leaving town, but she's agreed to come yeah. and see the sound He's check. the only one sound checking. And the, there's a drum kit, there's amps, there's key. Uh, Kitars, yeah, some really good kit on stage. Um, he's the only one there doing anything. But he's fucked off, and he did show Charlie his um, Japanese synthesizer. That's right. He goes off to the music shop for his yeah. buddy, and then in the meantime, Courtney Cox is waiting. She hears the commotion outside. Oh, what's that? And what well, we know what it is, don't we? Well, we've seen it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the janitor stumbles across the mercenaries and gets a right old beating, doesn't he? Yeah. But don't... he doesn't go. He doesn't like freak out and go. Oh my god! I, I, he's like. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing here, you crazy-looking alien? <laughs> well, he gets thrown through the door, and obviously Courtney then is traumatized oh, by seeing some. Some uh, well, this is a, a note I made about this um, this whole section because as you know, intergalactic uh, mercenaries or mm. uh, baddies, they are probably the most disorganized. Rubble of shite. Yeah, because they can't catch shit. <laughs> They're all rummaging around backstage, being you know thrown left, right, and centre, trying to just essentially capture one woman. Yeah. Um, they managed to set fire to the school. Yeah. Which apparently in real life uh, actually happened. Oh, okay. A lot of the the scenes, one of the big scenes where the actual whole stage area is on fire was an uncontrollable fire, which they managed nice. to capture on on tape. Um, but yeah, they, a lot of the production on this this film was a lot. Of the costs of the production was was paid in paying back a lot of the local businesses <laughs> and local uh, sets that they were using because they managed Just to damage the shit out damage of a lot of property. In the, well, in they had the, laser guns, man, and not very good shots. So yeah, they can't catch her for shit, don't they? She runs off through. How does she get away? I just don't understand the she process. She just goes under the stage, behind the curtain, through the stage, and then back through a back door. But they, you know, got five through a chair. Yeah, you've got five big, meaty alien dudes, and they can't... Mercenaries. Yeah, you know, they can't seem to get her. Anyway, she goes... He does a swords, door. doesn't he? Yeah, Blade. <coughs> What's his name? Blade. Blade, yeah. It's hard to forget, really, with his swords. 
and uh, yeah, she gets away, and then she's running through the back streets. Yeah, the deserted back streets. Not a soul there. <laughs> and manages to run into He-Man, who's sweaty goes, tits. I'll put hey, that. Hey, hey, calm down. Sweaty tit cuddle. He gives her straight oh, away. She, he, and also another thing that was really weird is that like she literally she's horribly traumatized because she's just seen an alien race for the first time. They've shot at her with laser guns the first time. Mm-hmm. They're clearly trying to kill her un- and for she knows not fuck why. <laughs> she runs off. She bumps into a naked man <laughs> wearing a pair of briefs. Yeah. yeah. Um she with instantly a cape. with a cape. <laughs> she instantly gives him a sweaty tit cuddle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he goes, "Is is uh, I'll help." And then he picks her up in a sort of coddle and carries her off, yeah, and then puts her in a, a pile of rubbish and puts his cape round her. And then what happens Comes next? Comes in Andy. They have a bit of a, have a bit of a to do, don't they? <laughs> ah! Get away from me! It's all right. It's all right. Don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. Now, what are you running from? Yes, so they're having a shootout in the alleyway. Yeah, well, who turns up but Gwildor in his in a hot wired? Well, yeah, after he's given shown him the fucking furry side, he man gives him a bit of a duffing up, doesn't he? Oh yes, because because oh. they're all chasing Courtney Cox. Yes, yes, yes. Twenty so, autograph. There's a big old fight in the uh, in the alleyways, and he um... kind of throws him about a bit. Oosh. <laughs> but again it's like really loads of close up fighting yeah it's it's not good and then yeah then they they run away it's one of those confused I don't really know how that fight ended because like you say then they kind of bump into everybody like then oh that's it because Teela and that come up shooting with their arms and she goes woman at arms yeah and then like then she makes a really inappropriate comment because this is obviously quite a young girl that Courtney Cox is playing oh yes and then she's like oh you're doing alright for yourself yeah. <laughs> it's like hold on have mate you, who have you picked up hmm yeah she's oh, like yeah. insinuating that he's uh, he's on the pool yeah she's obviously not happy that she's like you know wearing this skin tight outfit and getting no love and no. then you know sweaty tick huddles all around for Courtney Cox well to be honest I think she's probably got the short end of the stick there <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the, the whole kind of retreat thing they do, yeah, don't they? And they go back off. home, and a skeletal gives them a bit of a, a beating. Gives them a bit of a talking to. Motivational speech. But what happens next? She's a snake guy. Snake guy gets it. Well, it's definitely Karg's fault, but I guess snake guy was more expensive on camera. <laughs> so there makes it makes no sense to me that uh, Sarod, the snake guy, who's probably got the most the better quality as a mercenary yeah. as well and makeup and he's the one that's probably he's completely painted green he's got eye contact lenses in he's got a whole prosthetic face and everything yeah. and they kill him off in the first Straight sort of away. 25 minutes yeah he did, he did nothing he literally turned up ran around for he a bit he was doing exactly the same he was basically being made to set an example this man was the one pleading on his knees grovelling oh, for oh, oh please he's such a doofus um <laughs> I think because <laughs> shut up beast beast that's a doofus <laughs> I think they have that relationship in the cartoons don't they he was always a bit, yeah. of, a, bit of a dullard bit of a yeah fawning please skeletal please oh no don't smack my bum <laughs> but yeah no uh, Sarod gets it he gets disintegrated yeah. 
But then, yeah, Gildor's picked up a car, and in what I can imagine to be about an hour, has managed to convert it entirely to a new power source. It now runs on neutrinos. The neutrinos. The neutrinos are mutating. Do you remember the neutrinos from 2012? Yes. I was like, fucking hell, these neutrinos, <laughs> they get everywhere. Despite them being basically formless particles that can pass through anything, not only can they boil the centre core of the Earth, yes. but they're used as a fuel source. Gwildor. He knows Gwildor. Was he in 2012? Is there Gwildor. a small person in 2012? Maybe. There was a couple of dogs that looked highly trained. Well, like, if, could have if, been one of the if, if there was a small guild... Harry, Yo, not Yoda at all. Not looking Yoda. chap, maybe yeah. In 2012, and we've missed it. Let us know. Yeah, they yeah. not. Let us know. They're not. So well said, Dad. That we 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 cut to um uh, his uh, the boyfriend and in Charlie's music shop having a really strange conversation which doesn't go anywhere again. So he's still trying to. Still trying to, still convinced that this interdimensional key is a synthesizer. <laughs> yeah. So in, rather than doing anything with it, he's decided, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it to my local music shop and talk to the wanker there about it. Well, there's a lot of, this is a lot of filler, filler I think, now. From here on in, it's all filler. Because, all filler. <laughs> yeah, because there seems to be a lot of just procrastination and what to was just basically getting to yeah this I mean the whole the whole film could be um, like if Skeletor just let it go just like just leave He-Man where the fuck he is we'll just stay here yeah we'll put our mouth in a little ring around the sorceress yeah if he pitches up we'll kick his ass again well because he's got because if we kick his ass once well the other thing he ain't going to find an army is he (laughs) he's got he can disintegrate people so yeah. So what? I mean, I, I don't understand. Is, is there a reason why he wants He Man alive? Uh, he didn't want to turn him into a martyr because apparently the, you get like this weird, uh, like from Skeletor, the feeling that on taking over the whole entire planet and controlling the power of the thing isn't enough for the people of the, the country. They still love He Man and they still think he's going to save him. So he can't kill him because then he'll turn into a martyr and a figurehead for the rebellion, not like Star Wars. Um, So he has to have him captured and cowed. So he has to be captured and then kneel kneel before me. He's desperate to get him to kneel. Oh, he wants him bad. And I just want... There's a couple of really good kind of fighty scenes where Skeletor eventually does arrive on Earth, doesn't he, after a period of time with a... Well, they, a very small after, army. Yeah, after disintegrating the snake dude, he then gets Evil Lin in. Right, he says, like, learn how to get professional in here. Get in here, come get on. Evil Lin. Lin. Lin, live up to your name, mate. And she <laughs> Get goes, Evil on their asses. <laughs> she goes with a slightly larger force this time. And she has a cool thing where she can see history. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, like she's like when she goes back with Carl to the alleyway, and he's like, "Ah, oh, we were overpowered. There was loads of them." That's right. And they know that's bullshit because there's only three of them. But yeah. never mind. And then, but she has a thing where she can scan and go, "Oh, I can only see he man." Oh, that? that's right. Yes, and also she pretends she can shapeshift, can't she? Oh, yeah. She, she pretends, pretends to be the mum. And she pretends to be the mum. And mom Courtney too. Cox falls for it. Oh, an idiot. But she, yes, she comes out and delivers the key, doesn't she, to yeah. Evil Lynn? Yeah, they get the key. But do you think Evil Lynn is a little bit similar to the uh, evil daughter of... Um, Ming the Merciless. Ming the Merciless. Not as, as fit. No. Uh, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> God, no, that was some real 
good stuff when I was a, 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 a very young lad. My special purpose. <laughs> What's happening to my special purpose? <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so many honking similarities between this and Flash Gordon and Star Wars and God yeah. knows whatever else. Yeah. But yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's... Um, uh, we've got to... Oh, yeah, there's a... They, they, so the cop turns up again. This is the good thing. Oh, I forgot. Can we go back to the cop? Yeah. Back to the future teacher who's playing exactly the same character in this film like not the names change and that is it he's He's wearing the same clothes he even at one point picks up a shotgun in exactly the same way as he does in Back to the Future 2 and then he runs off down the road so um, he is exactly the same guy and again completely not phased with the alien invasion of of his thing he's just like oh god and he's still trying to arrest the other guys yeah he's just completely Focused on arresting this little lad. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for owning a Japanese synthesizer. <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple of really strange scenes where, where he's like, he's he's gone round to the. So <laughs> the boyfriend turns up at the school after school's burnt down, bumps into cop guy, mm-hmm. and he's like, and then there's like some. The, there are various parts in this film where they've they've taken dialogue which is overused in films and used it inappropriately. So like they literally turns up, they're they're dealing with the scene as they found it. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're pulling out the janitor and stuff, and he turns up, and he goes. The boyfriend goes, "Oh, my girlfriend's in." There. I was like, "No, no, no, we've checked. There's no one else in there." And he's like, "Um, yeah, she's definitely in there." Like, "Nope, there's no one in there at all." And then he's like, "Okay, all right, what does she look like?" He's like, "Why aren't you doing something?" <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, give him a chance. He didn't even know it was a girl until two seconds ago. Well, they find it's a like, are, we just gonna, are you just going to talk? Or are you going to do something and try and find this well, girl? There was, yeah, there's so much more bigger things at hand. But notice there's no other people. There's no school. There's no teachers. No one's turned up for the party. No, it's so shite. <laughs> it's so weird. It's it's like, so there weird. are no extras in this film. There's a couple of ambulance people and a couple of cops, and that is it. Yeah. In the scenes later on, where there's there's so much carnage on the streets of, um, <laughs> of and uh, no one's bothered. Everyone's still like, in. At one point, a huge they, they get the key. They've got the key off of her because, like you say, they yeah, yeah. Courtney Cox hands it to her, and they open up this huge portal. So I, I, this is again, I'm confused because like they've got both the fucking keys now. They just they could just strand him in on that. They don't need to. They don't need to do anything. They don't need to do anything. Just go home. But they don't. Instead, they um, Skeletor arrives with his not Jabba barge, but no. Jabba barge floating through the huge thing. Processions of troops. But there aren't that many. There no aren't one many troops in the streets. Uh, yeah, there's no. There are no. Extras. No one's gone. Oh, should I maybe phone? The military, you'd have the military on there like a shot, wouldn't you? Like a shot. And they would have dealt with them quite quickly because there aren't that many. And there's bad shots. And there's so. three of them that come through on little hoverboard type things. Yeah, because they're the special ones. Yeah, it's like, well, that's not going to play. Three of them. Yeah, E-Man manages to uh, commandeer one, doesn't he? And oh. he goes after them on a brave little sort of jaunt. He gets on his it own. back, doesn't he? Because he takes um, the ticket chicken stealing <laughs> kit oh that's right he manages to, another perfect shot where he whips it out of evil Lynn's <laughs> hand it's like who cares sort of thing 
she, she was cradling it like that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what you, excuse me, what are you going to do with the really important um, plot device? Um, I'm just going to hold it really loosely here. Evelyn. <laughs> What's that over there? Oh, it's He-Man on a... It'll be fine. Do you want to go grab that a little bit? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just going to cradle it. It's fine. He's miles away. He's never going to get here. Yeah. It's getting closer. Do you not think maybe... Oh, that's fine. Well, he come out of nowhere, though, He's doesn't like, he? Yeah, they see him coming and he just picks it up and fucks off again. It. <laughs> it's really bad. What happens next is they Shut bugger him. off. There's a, there's a bit of a issue with um, well, He Man goes gets captured, doesn't he? Ultimately, and he gets yeah. whipped. Oh, yeah, but they shoot. Then they also shoot Courtney in the leg. That's right. <laughs> she gets a terrible burn, doesn't she? Because Skeletal not only does he have the ability to instantly vaporise someone he's got yeah. obviously a lot of control with a bit of a sorcerer yeah. he, he, but if he just nicks you it turns into this disgusting looking separating wound mm-hmm. it's horrible it's like, she goes into a bit of a fever <laughs> she's not doing particularly well as old Carl no. at this stage but they got the key back so that's okay but then because the key's been like shot slightly damaged he's like Gwildor's beside himself he's like oh no yeah. This can't be fixed. Blah blah blah. To fix this, I would need a music man. <laughs> like, Does anybody here know a music man? This um, is where it gets ridiculous. And, uh, the, my favourite line. <laughs> this is where it gets ridiculous. <laughs> where, um, dimension travel is easy. <laughs> music notes are hard. <laughs> that last bit. But yeah, dimension travel is easy. But like finding the right finding the right tones is hard. That's and he's true. like, and the guy's like. Oh, I know. I remember the tune because I've got perfect pitch that someone mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. So he starts, Kevin. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very reminiscent of that. Yeah. Old, uh... So, uh, but then it does, Briggs goes, I need a few things. Hmm. A Masonic Tesseract. Right here. An Octode Rectifier. I have an Octode Rectifier. And something to play the tones of. Wait, I'll, I'll get a keyboard from Charlotte's. Well, even though I need three things, I need a an blah 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 and a blah blah blah, and then Neela goes, oh, "I've got a." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I man goes, "And I've got a." Oh my god! And then future Star Trek guy goes, "Oh well, I can get you a keyboard," and he's like, "What's a keyboard?" <laughs> he's like, "Let me show you." Well, actually, I can, but it all got burnt down in the school yeah, fire. yeah. Everything else got burnt down in that thing, but yeah, you can get me a keyboard. But it did remind me much of the um, the scene in the IT crowd where my favourite um, episode, uh, the Frido episode, where they play like a role playing game. Yeah. It's like you have my sword and my staff and my bunny bracelet <laughs> and whatever it is that I have. <laughs> Which I'll probably try and find and play oh, at that point. Brilliant. But yeah, that was. Uh, I just loved that that whole scene. It was just so horrible, but brilliant in the same way because they, yeah, there's like bullshit words and, and like everyone's got it. Just like oh, see, good job. He man got captured. Not one of those fuckers because he's not going to go. Uh, let me just check my pocket. <laughs> no, nope, just my dick in here. <laughs> he's got no pockets to speak of. <laughs> Just where he keeps his lotion, just so he can keep himself oiled <laughs> just in up. His front pouch. Jesus Christ, <laughs> stupid boy. Well, why does he? Why is he man getting whipped? Because he wants him to kneel, right. Chris. Yeah, it's like kneel. So he's like, desperate for him. But to... a really slow whip. 
Yeah, and he's just this look at uh, left a bit. <laughs> the acting's terrible, isn't it? Oh. Dolph is not a great actor. Yeah, uh, no, no. I mean, he, he does a, a thing well, and um, unfortunately, this required maybe a bit more. But then again, it was based on a shitty cartoon where, you know, the guy was instantly disguised by taking his shirt on and off. So Yeah, that's you know. true. And he had a lovely haircut in that oh, cartoon. It's a bob. <laughs> so eventually they make it back, don't they? Um, he, uh, Man at Arms and the crew. Yeah, they all get back to they the portal same place. Back using the little tune, even with the cop in tow as well. <laughs> yeah, they bring him. He, he, the little bald cop guy. And He's happy. Yeah, he ends up with a good little deal, doesn't he? <laughs> um, and then Skeletal gets all golden. He takes the final bit of juice from uh, the sorcerer. And then he has the sword as well. Yeah. Don't know why I did that. Yeah, sword, the sword he of goes power. all golden, doesn't he? But, like, so he goes, ah, oh, now I've got the sword. Mm-hmm. And, like, instead of just holding it and doing the... Uh, now I have the power. Yeah, uh, yeah. He just sticks it in a little thing, didn't he? Like that's right. Puts it to one side. He's like, oh, I'll just come back to that. Come back to that in a second. I've got. Some, I'm just going to leave that out of business arms to deal with. Well, I just hope he doesn't get free because if he gets free, he's going to definitely get to that sword quicker than I can. Well, there's a big, big sort of fiery gunfight at the end. There's a big fiery gunfight. Evil Lynn um, had her heart broken, which I thought was one of the few pieces of acting in the film. When um, Skeletor, when he's like, oh, now I've, you know, and she's like, we, we've got it. It's like, no, not we, me. You know, yeah, you hard. mean nothing to me sort of kind of thing. And she, you could see a little moment on it. It was actually a, a piece of acting that happened. Uh, the character of um, the actress has been in quite a bit, isn't she, old Meg yeah, Foster? Yeah, Meg Foster. She's, um, she's, yeah, she does a lot, a lot of, of sci-fi. A lot of sci-fi. Cause she's got funny a, looking eyes. Well, I'll get to that in a second. All right. Um, in my <laughs> but yeah so like as soon as the shit starts going down she's like well I could stay and help or I'm just gonna fuck off with all the soldiers have yeah. myself a bukkake party out the back yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is but it sounds good <laughs> uh, yeah so it just leaves him him with all his newfound power which seems very much like his old power in the sense that he still can't beat up He-Man and then we get the one time the one, the money shot from the mm-hmm. whole entire film of He-Man holding aloft the sword mm-hmm. with his mouth closed, saying, <laughs> "I have the power." <laughs> I have the power. Um, but yeah, they, they, they didn't make enough of that. I have the power thing because that used to be that is the whole payoff of the cartoon. You'd be watching the whole cartoon, waiting and waiting and waiting for him to do it, and then he'd be like, <laughs> "Super powerful, yeah. stupid, double old strong, pointy sting," and Battle Cat becomes or Cringer becomes Battle, Battle Cat. Cat. He can pass his power on. It's not. It's not a selfish man. No, and um, yeah, the whole the whole transition sequence and when he but again, they just kind of mighty sword. Hold, shine a light on him. Shine a light. Yeah. And then they have a bit of a sword fight, and he uh, throws him down the turbo. Well, unlike the emperor did. So not not all the same. And then not they have like a little, um, almost like a Nabooey type sit. Yeah. Duh, 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 duh. I did expect that someone was going to go. <laughs> yeah, Beastman pops out. Yeah, like, I'm not like a tall like Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe this time Chew will get a medal. Who knows? <laughs> um, not, not a chance. Not yeah, a chance. Uh, they decide they're going to go back in, and so. all, and a load more of that stupid safe journey bollocks. Safe journey. May the force be with you. And then worst cool. night ever. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, cool. worst ninety ever. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So as they're going, they're like, is there anything you'd like to do? I can send you. And then all of a sudden, at the end, a little nugget 
from Gwildor, which may have made the rest of their lives easier had they known this before. Yes. He suddenly goes, I can send you anywhere at any time. And they're like, nah, it's fine. Nothing tragic's ever happened to me <laughs> that I could possibly want with Mercy. La, 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 la. Oh, wait! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but and then she wakes up in the morning in this... 90 like up to the <laughs> up to here cuffs and down to her toes it's like sweaty nighty what the who would fucking it's sleep it's like a clown that? suit doesn't it it's ridiculous but yes obviously uh, Gwildor via the power of whatever the fuck he has has managed to send her back to a time before her parents died. the morning the very morning of her parents death so um so yeah so, <laughs> so she pitches up and she's very happy that her mum and dad she steals the keys away doesn't she so, yeah so they, they can't go on their private plane to Deathland. <laughs> she's got a bad feeling about it hasn't she yeah yeah and then she runs into the street with her boyfriends there and they, they both know you can't do this at an end of a film and go unless you introduce something else like maybe the sorceress would have gone I can do time travel yeah. and then that would have been fine but Gwildor go with his key I can do time travel I was like why did they not just do that I know what I'm going to do I'm going to go to that bit before I made these fucking keys smash it never happened that's the problem when you introduce time travel into anything is it ruins everything and also the, the, the cop guy stays behind in Eternia because he, he, he thinks he's got a better life Again, so what happens to him just taking everything and destroyed so what happens to him if they go back in time then and they go back to Earth What's, he's not his, there his hand starts fading yeah 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 and because he he'll to, never exist or something or will he he'll have to play um, be a in missing the dance person. under the sea yeah I, I don't know it doesn't make sense back on Earth if there was anyone if there was any other policeman they'd be worried about him yeah yeah but yeah. They're not. He's just. He's managed to cop off with like a twenty-year-old Eternian woman. Yeah, it's like, and they formed a very quick bond. Ah, he's a bit of a hero, isn't he? Everyone loves a sexy bald guy. He just shot one guy. <laughs> he just shot one robot, which I don't. I don't think that lasts. Are we like I mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast when I sport the ending after the, <laughs> after the credits? You get the uh, little headshot of. Um, uh, Skeletor coming out from the water and going I'll be back yeah I, I did write actually like kill off the bad guys like why does why do people always kill off the bad guy but then they didn't they just brought him back you don't, you, but you had to wait for the credits to know that but and so often like, well, well, would Batman have, kills off Joker every time <laughs> excuse me why would Windy people pops. why would people do that uh, anyway back in the day you wouldn't necessarily wait for the end of the credits in the old days no no. It's not you know not now that we know that you stick around for the the God, sting, yeah. the double sting, the triple sting. So yeah, so that's that brings us to the end of the film, Chris. If you listen to our last podcast, you might be aware we have a new show sponsor, Chris. We do indeed. Yeah, we're very lucky to be sponsored by Unity Brewery Co., who yes. based in Southampton, our hometown. Our hometown, leading the way in the uh, craft beer market. Yeah. Um, make some great beers and uh, we've got we've been sent some great samples so we'll have a little crack on one of those I can't have one till Friday though because it's your your because I'm on diet (laughs) Friday's my cheat day so we'll what we'll do is we'll have a we'll have some taste testers and we'll put them up on our um, social media yeah I I mean I'm I'm not even funny this isn't going to be a hard job for me I fucking love beer <laughs> and I love good beer and um, yeah, I, I, you bought me some of these for Christmas I did yes I did yeah. and um, I enjoyed them then and I will enjoy them even further now and we are hoping to do a podcast from 
the Unity Brewery itself. Yes, yes. We might actually get some listeners inadvertently just in the yeah, background. Yeah, they're in the corner whilst they're enjoying a beer. What they do is they open the tap room up uh, every other sort of weekend, I think, and uh, you can come in and, and actually physically sit and enjoy the uh, the atmosphere of drinking in a brewery. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great it's a great place to try the beer firsthand. But yeah, we've got some um, good stuff coming up with those guys in the future. So yeah, we're really pleased to be uh, sponsored by Unity Brewing Co., Unity Brewery Co. That's unitybrewerycode.com. <laughs> Take a look at the website. It's magnificent. So do you um, do you want some factoids? Factoid me up, yes. Okay, so I've got a couple here. Um, many, many viewers of the film commented on actress Meg Foster's eerily effective contact oh, lenses, which so gave her character sense. of Evil Lynn a sinister and unearthly air. Actually, she wore no contact lenses. What? Her eyes naturally have a blue-grey irises or iris uh, and tiny pupils, <laughs> giving her a striking appearance. And she's often been cast in sci-fi fantasy roles because of them. And jokes that she appeals to casting directors, and she brings her own special effect with her face for free. Wow. Uh, Mattel, which owned and produced the Masters of the Universe toy line, mandated. Do a little fart, by the way. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a seat. Mattel, which owned and produced the Masters of the Universe toy line, mandated early in the production that He-Man could not kill anyone on screen, and that's why Skeletor's troops are robots. Right. Um, I've got some goofs for you as well. Oh, goofs. Love a goof. There must be plenty in this. Yeah, film. yeah. So when Khan. Didn't see any boom mics though, which is No, 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 and no lines. Proper goofs. No, um, no wire work or anything. So when Karg leads Skeletor's troops charge into Gwildor's home, he tells his men to find the key. It is impossible for him to have known about the second <laughs> cosmic key, as, a su- yes. as his superiors did not even know one in, existed until shortly later on. Yeah. Yeah, because like uh, Evil Lynn's like, oh, the prick's got another key. <laughs> she's like, she's like seizing, isn't she? That's right. And yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. when all shit kicks off for the first time. Um, another one is, um, <laughs> this is a really, I mean, IMDB is fantastic for these little things, but when Beastman throws Carl, the janitor, through the door at the high school, he flies backwards. But when he shot, the shot cuts to him flying through the door, he's facing the other way. <laughs> Um, it's a stretch that one <laughs> yeah yeah so have you got um, reviews time um, I, I've got a review I'm, I, I know this one is fake yeah okay. go on do this cracker so this is a cracker this is the, the cracking fake um, I, I don't know what voice is going to be but there'll be Just... one it was the greatest film ever made it's better than Transformers better than Blade Runner better than Backdraft it's a strange, <laughs> strange triumphant there. Uh, Dolph Lundgren is He-Man. There are lots of lasers blasting guys that look like stormtroopers, sort of. Frank Langella is Skeletor. He always gives his great performance, and this is his best. Better than Frox, Frost Nixon, where he played one of those guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The girl who plays Teela is Teela. <laughs> her outfit is awesome and she is gorgeous. I would marry her, but I'm not really ready to commit at this point in my life. <laughs> so this is the point I realised. Ah, I see where you're gone yeah, here, yeah, yeah, my yeah. friend. Uh, the little dude is Gwildor. He made me believe that a small dwarf could make a thing that creates portals to other worlds. <laughs> 
Special effects are awesome. No battle cat, but I heard it's because they had a big cat, but he ate an extra, and whatever they had to do, they had to fire him. The cat, not the extra. He died of blood loss from a massive head trauma caused by the cat ate part of his face. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. Dolph Lundgren rules now and forever. You should also check The Punisher, which is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> So that was a fantastic. This is uh, 999 out of 99. He gave that. Only six out of seven people found that useful. That's oh, a great, a great review. It's a clearly. great fake review. I loved it. Well, I have this one lined up. I loved I, it because I knew you would pick that same one as me. Uh, but this one I had lined up anyway, um, which okay. is <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Just found it right now, Matthew. <laughs> uh, great fantasy. This is a good one. So some people say it was the Star Wars of the eighties, and some people say it was completely horrible. <laughs> I wouldn't quite agree with either statement, though. Not as good as Star Wars. It really isn't that bad of a movie, especially if you remember growing up watching He-Man on TV and pretending that you could hold a magic sword above your head. And become all powerful. Yes, some of the lines are cheap and the acting is stilted and questionable at times, but it's still a fun movie. If you forget what I've just mentioned and just sit back and enjoy the fantasy and the adventure, and you will enjoy the movie. Some memorable scenes are the battles in the junkyard. I don't remember that. That's the, the that's the, the first, that's where you, um, he meets Courtney Cox and oh okay thought she was a back alley coddles her into the sweaty tits the flying hovercraft fight and the final fight between He-Man and Skeletor if you're a fan of He-Man or any other action movie made in the late 80s I would recommend that you rent this movie not buy it then no you wouldn't rent it uh, either would you unless it's going to go <laughs> blockbuster video in 2002 which is when this was uh, yeah written. I suppose it would have would, still been would it blockbuster 2002 yeah probably yeah, I mean, might, but moment is God rest legs. its soul. Might be nice legs. So that's He Man, the Masters of the Universe. The He Man, the Masters the one, of the Universe. One that we weren't going to do, but we did it. We've done it, and I think I'm glad we did because it was a good old nostalgia trip for me. Let's tie into your podcast and your interview with uh, Joe Simpson, where there was uh, the Batman and Robin film was heavily tied into merch before it even began sort of shooting. Yeah, yeah. So, and also his his project of uh, toys, uh, figures, yes. figure painting. Yeah, where he, is, it's almost like we planned this shit, yeah. but we didn't. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. But yeah, uh, yeah, and there's a couple of other little YouTube videos of the making of this film, which are really interesting about just how up against it the director was and the studios just didn't want to get this film released yeah I mean made, we've so. mentioned previously and I say I wish I could find that fake review by it was by um, yeah it is that one it's good to see positive feedback it was good to read the positive reviews of this film it seems that an awful lot of people enjoyed the film and I think all things that it turned out pretty well as to Frank Bailey's notes everyone has a right to an opinion no one will ever realise what goes into making any movie but we had many masters to please on this one the entire movie was done for 17 million and it's a good looking film I'm proud of the film please to say it was a feature film blah 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 um, but yeah so they kind of, the, the guy's pretending to be I'm assuming he's been the director I hardly think the director would be going around trolling his own reviews in 1999 maybe um, it's a weird one that one because it does sound like it is written physically by him it's, it's decent it's a decent English in there so yeah it's not written by more in any way and it is entirely believable because you know we we know that um, getting a film to screen is horrendous and various uh, you have to sort of cut off your arms to get things done sometimes and with these budget constraints and I believe Canon films were incredibly 
they're about to go bankrupt, I believe. So they were they were holding back lots and lots of the sort of extra monies and things that you'd need to be making a completely polished film. So the fact that they got anything to screen, although there's well, they were making this, they were planning the second one, which I find odd. But yeah, the fact they got some to screen is, is impressive. The fact they got it to screen for as cheap as they did, I suppose, for a fantasy film, was also impressive. But um, you can definitely see where the budgetary constraints and the oversight committee that would have been on this film has mm. cut into its quality. That being said, the initial script can't, can't have been that strong. No. No, no. no, like the amount of MacGuffin and, and just, uh, it's just an excuse to get, I mean, I mean to, to, to uh, those of the listeners to the podcast know that I'm unable to finish the sentence, but just, um, <laughs> Skeletor was good. Skeletor was good. And Evil Lynn was good. Evil Lynn was good. There's a lot of. There seemed to be a lot of uh, you know unspokenness between those two. And there Chelsea is, Fields' outfit was good. Yeah. Well, I mean, this reminds me of the review from last week. Was good. <laughs> good. It was um, good. Yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is. Essentially, it's an eighties. Yeah, well, like you say, it was a, it was a, it was a nostalgia trip watching it again because I say I haven't watched this for thirty odd years, yeah. and I did watch it repeatedly back in the day. It's it one of those things that I just passed me by. I think I was a too well, maybe not not too young, but just didn't have it for some reason. But I was a massive toy line fan, massive cartoon fan. Yeah, and are we really surprised that a film based on a cartoon based on a toy didn't turn out to be? fucking citizen came <laughs> interesting to watch this based on the amount of 80s nostalgia stuff that's around at the moment i think we're getting a, a he-man film aren't we again are we i've it's been in Fuck. development hell for 10 years i apparently. just don't see i just don't see how it plays now because it was so obviously targeted as selling toys i don't see how unless you completely break it down build it up again and just take him out of the fucking swimwear <laughs> Could they Nolan-esque this uh, movie? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, no. He-Man, let's... let's... So, right, go on then. One, apart from, we obviously mentioned the performances of uh, Evil Lynn Skeletor. Apart from that, what's your one takeaway? What's your one... Because we know it's not getting out of the bunker, that's definitely... No, it's well and truly in the bunker. Uh, to be honest with you, I can't think of anything else. And uh, Apart from you know those other actors, as you mentioned... But really, it's it, is not, a, it was a good springboard. We have to say that for, yeah, a, for a lot of people. For me, it's not. There's not. There isn't anything else apart from the maybe the delivery of the. the, the um, you like Gildor? Maybe yeah, Barty's always good luck. Gildor's. I mean, it's not enough to. It's not enough to elevate the film for me. I mean, apart from, as I say, I think. I think uh, Skeletor is the one for me. Skeletor's. Skeletor's the one for. Me. Skeletor's the one for me. <laughs> so yeah I'm afraid what about you how's that it uh, yeah I say Billy Barty um, as Gwildor was good because he was probably an original character oh, yeah, like you say it's tricky there's a couple of decent sort of things the special effects were pedestrian the fight scenes were worse than that um oh, no there's sorry. a bit in the film where they blow up one of the as a car the cop is behind the car uh, in a street battle and uh, they they blow up the car and it blows up 
the windows of the shop uh, one of the shops and sets fire to the awning and that actually happens in real life so <laughs> this is what I'm talking about they, they cause quite a lot of damage whilst filming this and they'd have the night shoots apparently were relentlessly hard because they'd have to set all the rigs up or everything else all the mics or the leads and everything to, to record yeah. they'd record in whatever space they had they'd have to take everything down in order for the shops and everything to open up the next day whilst on fire whilst on fire <laughs> and then so the night shoots were apparently according to Dolph Lundgren they were horrendous um, yeah but yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the decision was obviously purely financial because they couldn't uh, afford to have it set in a fantastical world for the entirety of the film I think I remember reading the director had to really really beg to get like the opening and closing sequence set in Italian they wanted to do the whole thing on earth they gave us that Dolph Lundgren jumping out of a rock that's what I liked okay fair enough Cool. Right, so Chris, Chris the universe stays in the bunker. Stays in the bunker. What's um, yeah. the next film? Oh God, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what are we going to do? What's our next film of choice, then, Matthew? So our next film of choice, inspired by James King. James King. Um, and uh, when I listened to that interview, I suddenly thought, "Yes, that's a good idea. We should do this. We haven't done a comedy in a long time. We have comedy, yeah. air quote fingers, because yeah, well, we could do a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not another teen movie is what we're going to do. The two thousand and one mashup. What, what would you call this genre of film? Is it? A it's dead now, isn't it? Well and truly yeah, dead. This kind of thing. Out, it came out. It started with a scary movie, which kind of did it well, I think, and just pulled all of the sort of um, horror movie tropes and put them together in a comedy. Scary movie was good. Yeah, and then then it just grew balls and ran with it, and I think this is kind of um, near the end of the the run of these um, piss take movie movies. So it's a send up of all the teen movies that have accumulated in the past two decades. Yeah, <laughs> reading off the IMDb. Brilliant. Yes, there you go. So that's exactly what it's going to be. So yeah, so we're, we're going to do not another teen movie, uh, a five point seven on IMDb and available on Netflix. Oh yeah, a great idea. If anyone's sort of listening to this part of the podcast and wants to get involved, watch it. Watch it. And let's uh, we can get your comments on that one. Yeah, looking forward to that. I'm not done one of these. This is the first time we've done one of these mishmashy mashups. Mishmashy mashup. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. If you fancy getting involved in that, give us a shout on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're on there. And just a quick um, plead: if you're listening to the podcast, wherever you are, just hit uh, hit the uh, hit the app or wherever you get the podcast from, and just give us a rating and uh, subscribe because it will help us get noticed by other listeners and maybe. Yeah, if you like it, someone else might like yeah, it. Yeah, spread so the love. Spread the love. Tell your friends. Pleading. It's a bit pleading. It's getting a bit pleading, aren't it? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see you next week then, Matthew. Yeah, bye. Bye.